Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Woven NG podcast. My name's Damon Smith and this is the third monologue that I've recorded as a kind of adjunct audition to the main series of episodes of the Woven NG podcast. In the last episode we talked about Reiki and also the context of shamanic energy arts in Japan uh, that arose in the 19th century this context was the uh, context in which the the founder of modern Reiki Asui and his students and students of students started to make the name Reiki known. I said that virtually everything that they included within Reiki pre-existed Asui. So I'd like to wind the clock back a bit in this one to the 1830s, about 30 years before Asui was born, and look at the life and teachings of probably the most famous shaman from modern Japanese history, Nakayama Maegao Miki, and also how the multiple traditions that she directly gave rise to and the many more that she indirectly influenced formed a major part of the social context in which Asui operated and gave rise to Reiki. The many traditions that uh, Miki gave rise to or inspired are something that I've studied fairly intensively over the course of I guess more than 30 years now. And they're one of the sources of my personal shamanism. These have included some very large institutions like Temikyo and Homichi, but also a kind of plethora of smaller traditions, including things like the historical Tenri no Kosha, and then smaller organizations, Kanwa Daiwe Wishidakai, Hombushin, and of course Reiki itself. My close personal friendships with some of the people involved in these traditions will of necessity result in a, a somewhat censored episode. Uh, that's inevitable. Some modern Reiki practitioners have made attempts to make Reiki look like a unique art, and indeed Takata Hawaii even tried to make it look like a Christian art, uh, as we'll see when we get that point in the narrative, not in this episode, but, but a later one. But before investigating the, the kind of commonality between Reiki and Miki's traditions, it's probably good to mention geography. At the time when Asui first started teaching in Shinanomachi in 1925, there were literally hundreds of exponents of Miki's tradition living in that same neighborhood and a major shrine of Miki's tradition known as the Higashichuo Grand Shrine was erected there around the same time as well. A famous teacher descended from Miki's lineage uh, called Kuraji Kashiwagi was also teaching in the same neighborhood uh, at the same time as Asui, although he continued to teach for much longer than Asui. Um, as we said, the longest that Asui taught Reiki to anyone was about four years, while for Kashiwagi it was, it was over 30 years in total. 
You can see how popular Mickey's tradition was in that area by the fact that the original Higashi Chuo Grand Shrine gave rise to um, more than a hundred actual uh, other shrines over time. Some as far afield as Takata Hawaii's native Hawaii, even. Also in the same neighborhood is the modern headquarters of the largest lay Buddhist group or association in Japan, which is known as Soka Gakkai. We will look at the Buddhist links of Reiki a little later in the series, maybe even in the next episode. So Miki taught over a 50-year period, and the events of her life are recorded in an unusual amount of detail, although almost always by commentators with some kind of an agenda. So I'm not going to recap those events in detail, but rather talk about the early phase through which she became such a well-known shaman and allowed her subsequently to attract a relatively large and diverse group of apprentices. Miki was born in San Maiden village, which is a little place in the region uh, of the old capital of Japan, that would be Nara. She was the daughter of a landowner and a low-ranking samurai as well, uh, Maegawa Hanshichi, who was associated with the Todo feudal clan um, who ruled over most of Iga and Ise under the, the old Togagawa shogunate. The clan had originally come to fame because of Todo Takatora, who was a famous military commander in the regimes of both Toyotomi Hideyoshi and Togagawa Ieyasu, in particular, Todo Takatora had been a prominent commander of Hideyoshi's fleet in the invasions of Korea. That would be between 1592 and 1598. But at the influential Battle of Sekigahara in 1600, which was a major turning point in Japanese history, think of 1066 in terms of British history, he sided with the victorious Takagawa Yasu, even though he was one of the Hideyoshi's main generals. By 1837, Miki married uh, a wealthy landowner, Zembe Nakayama, and had a number of children. And in October, her son Shuji had a problem with his leg while they were working out in the fields and needed to walk with a crutch afterwards. A doctor was called in, but his administration didn't help very much uh, with the pain, so Zembe sent a messenger to... Uh, Nagataki village where there was a, a well-known shamanic healer and priest called Ichibe. The messenger did manage to find Ichibe who performed some esoteric techniques and Shuji's pain appeared to ease for a while. But the next day the pain came back and Ichibe was sent for again and the cycle of kind of Ichibe repeating his techniques and Shuji's pain easing for another day was repeated uh, over and over three times, I think, altogether. Following this, he had a longer period of relief, which lasted for about 20 days. But in November, uh, following continued problems with his leg, Zembe asked Ichibe to perform a more intensive shamanic uh, rite, uh, more intensive technique at the Nakayama home. Uh, and for these, uh, Ichibe required the assistance of a specialist shaman called Soyo, who was a native of Magata village. Now, Magata village isn't very far away. It's only about a mile from the Nakayama residence in Shoyoshiki village. Several neighbors also came to help out with this uh, in the right, which uh, was a, a purifying fire was made, and Ichibe and Soyo carried out the te techniques themselves. This time around, the effects were much longer lasting, and Shuji enjoyed about half a year without pain. But later, recurring problems 
led to further rites being performed, uh, but the effect of these was increasingly short-lasting. The Inoko Festival was held at the start of October in 1838, about a year after the problems of Shuji's leg first began, and it happened that Ichibei uh, travelled to Shoyashiki in order to visit relatives from the Inui family. At Zembei's request, Ichibei agreed to repeat the shamanic rite for Shuji since he was in the area anyway, uh, but no one could get hold of Soyo they tried but weren't able to. In the end, Miki, who had some esoteric training from the Jodo school uh, when she was younger, agreed to act as the shamaness uh, instead for the rite. But things didn't go according to plan. Upon going into her shamanic trance, Miki started uh, a form of automatic speaking and uttered the, the words, I wish Miki to become the shrine of Tsukihi. Tsukihi means a moon and sun and is a symbolic term referring to kami as the physical and temporal aspect of nature. To put it another way, Tsukihi represented the middle world out of the three realms of shamanism. For more information on this, refer to uh, Woven NG episode 2 and episode 26. We'll talk about in detail about Miki's abilities and methods in later episodes of Woven NG, but for our purposes right now, it's sufficient to say that from this point onwards, Miki's shamanic abilities rapidly exceeded those of Soyo, and she began to exhibit strongly the characteristics of what might be described as a great shaman, that is, one who can perform extraordinary feats of power. She gradually became the most famous shaman in the local area, and then later uh, arguably became the most famous shaman in the whole of Japan. Through this process, she attracted a kind of dedicated group of apprentices, some of whom, um, such as the, the Yakuza Hirano Narazo uh, and the, the battlefield experienced samurai Masuno Shobe, uh, who, who we mentioned in the early episodes of Heretics, uh, were significant historical figures in their own right. And she taught them an unusually broad range of shamanic techniques. Miggy's techniques were separated into different categories, whether by her or by her followers, I don't know, including uh, Tsutome and Teodori, which were spirit dancers, and the Suzuki, which are more sophisticated versions of the kind of techniques that are now known in modern Reiki as Reiju, Tenohira, and Kokyuho. We'll, again, we'll talk about those in a later episode. There were many others as well, but just, uh, and techniques, but just with the Tsutome category, we have uh, diverse spirit dancers like uh, the fairly complex and fascinating Kagurazu Tome, which represents the interactions of the trigrams in the formation of the universe, or the eight major categories of change in the formation of the universe. The Koezu Tome, which represents a kind of spiritual fertilizer. Uh, the Haede no Tsutome, which is kind of for germination. Uh, the Mushibari no Tsutome, which is uh, a kind of warding technique. Uh, Amagoi Tsutome for synergistically making a rain in the shamanic sense of the character Rei that we talked about in the last one, uh, which is the first syllable of Reiki. And then the Ame Azuke no Tsutome, uh, which is to balance excesses within nature, uh, for instance, too much rain. Uh, and then Minori no Tsutome for uh, fruitfulness in general. So most of our spirit dance techniques uh, some of the purposes that are symbolically related to agriculture 
At least at the surface level, this is because Miki was teaching people who were mainly from agricultural communities. But at a deeper level, her techniques view human beings as a kind of field that's fertilized and made fruitful through shamanism. She referred to the kind of yin-yang duality uh, within, uh, or yang-yin duality within a productive human field as tane, uh, literally seed source or cause, and the tame nawashiro, which is the seed nursery. These are agricultural metaphors for the creative and nurturing aspects that permeate through nature into human beings. In addition to agricultural metaphors, she also used a lot of imagery from woodsmanship and carpentry in her teachings in general. This was in order to make it easier for people around her to understand. We talked about this type of activity of, of temporal and cultural customization in the recent Woven Energy episode. Uh, that would be episode 42 on why shamanism needs to keep reinventing itself. So I won't go into it further here. As more formal traditions uh, sprang up among Miki's apprentices and their their apprentices, over time, most of the Tutomes were banned uh, by the big institutions. And as the tradition grew and became more exoteric in nature, they're, they're still preserved uh, among some of the smaller groups and within Isatek parts of the larger groups. The, the exception to this was the Kagura Zatome, which was instead kind of reserved for a privileged elite few insiders. As Miki's tradition became more exoteric over time, emphasis was placed more and more on different spirit dancers that had less of a shamanic character and more of the character of shamanic Buddhist spirit dancers in, in some respects akin to the Mongolian Tsam. These included things like Asayu no Tsutome and Junisagari Teodori no Tsutome. Uh, at the same time, they quite rapidly moved from being spirit dancers to become ordinary dancers among the most mainstream practitioners. The Suzuki category includes techniques more akin to those now known as Kokyuho, Reju and Tenohira in modern Reiki, but was actually much broader and more extensive in application than what is found in Reiki today. To put it another way, the Kokyuho, Reiju and Tenohira of Reiki would form a small and relatively limited subset of what was passed on in Miki's tradition, originally under the Suzuki banner. However, as with the spirit dancers, there's been a fairly uh, significant dumbing down of the Suzuki uh, as well over time. Among, especially among mainstream practitioners, maybe the group of techniques that would be most familiar to regular listeners of War of Nanji podcasts would be the Amskar techniques, which are called Iki no Suzuki in Miki's tradition. These allow the shaman to participate in kind of the metaphoric breath of the universe. Divinatory techniques were also practiced uh, within Miki's lineage, uh, the most famous of which is the infamous Ogino Ukagai, one of the, the early ones that got banned in the, the big groups, uh, which is a group of divinatory techniques involving the use of a fan, and it's akin to the kind of divinatory techniques made famous by the powerful Yoshida family, who later on offered protection to Miki's apprentices from the exoteric forces that subsequently tried to eliminate them. Koe no Suzuki, um, which was the 
which was intended to amplify the effects of fertilizer and things that acted like fertilizer. There was koi no sasuke. Uh, you, you can think of it as a kind of shamanic amplifier in general. Jiki no Motsu no Suzuki involves the divine dew or Jikimotsu, which is a special knowledge that the shaman gains through becoming an undifferentiated differentiated, uh, part of nature. Using uh, Mongolian terminology, this would include aspects of Gokuch and the Negdel or Nechdel. Jikimotsu no Suzuki is very close to raw hunter gatherer shamanism in character. For more information on Gokuch, Listen to Woven Energy episode 9, uh, which is the third part of the three-episode series on the foundations of shamanism. Kanwadai no Suzuki uh, was another one. It involved a spiritual architecture, which we're going to discuss at a later date on the Heretics podcast and perhaps on Woven Energy as well. Mizu no Suzuki is a set of chalicity techniques involving the use of water uh, or metaphorical use of water. Ashiki no Harai no Suzuki and Teodori no Suzuki are like a sophisticated version of Teodohira from Reiki. This is the most widely practiced today and the most exoteric tradition uh, that have descended from Miki. In the same way that Tenohira tends to get overemphasized by modern Reiki practitioners. Needless to say, there has been a lot of dumbing down over the years, though some of the smaller groups still practice in something approaching the old way. Um, from this point onwards, Miki's tradition started to spread throughout Japan, becoming popular in many different places and becoming particularly popular in the Harajuku area of Tokyo before Asui arrived there in 1922 and possibly started teaching, though he may not have begun teaching Reiki until as late as 1924 or 25, just about two years before his death. There's therefore a kind of possibility that all of what became Asui's Reiki came from the vibrant energy arts community of that local area. And while there may be additional links back to Mount Buddhism, East Turk Buddhism, um, from as far back as 1920, which we'll explore in a later episode starting in the next one, they've not been fully substantiated. It is therefore at least a possibility that it was Miki's tradition that directly gave birth to modern Reiki, in its entirety, uh, at the very least, it heavily influenced the uh, development of modern Reiki. So that's a relatively short episode for Woven Energy. I wanted to say enough about Miki that we could uh, give a bit of context to uh, our ongoing discussion about Reiki. We will come back to Miki in some um, depth in future, but for now I think that's enough. In the next uh, episode in the monologue series, we will uh, start looking at the potential uh, Buddhistic sources uh, that got incorporated into Reiki. So if you enjoyed this episode uh, and you're new to the Woven Energy podcast, then one of the things you can do is start listening to the mainstream episodes. If you're going to do that, those are the episodes with actual episode numbers. Uh, if you're going to do that, I recommend winding all the way back to episode one, starting from the beginning. Woven Energy is very much a linear podcast. Uh, we're trying to 
encourage people to incorporate more shamanic, shamanic technique into their lives uh, uh, in a kind of real practical kind of way. And that of necessity means building a base of understanding. And the episodes do that fairly sequentially as they go on. If you'd like to help us out and support us um, in some way, a good way to do that is to join our ever-growing crowd of patrons. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash wovenenergy, all one word, uh, and you'll find us there. There's a bunch of extra content for patrons um, in there as well. Okay, so thank you for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.